0: Welcome to Growing Up in Easton, a series to preserve Easton's past and make it available to, uh, t- to future generations. My name is Priscilla Almquist Olson, I'll be your host today, and my guests are Bob Alger, Oliver Ames High School, class of 1946, and his lovely wife Jean Alger, maiden name
1: Southworth.
0: Southworth. Jean Southworth Alger. How could I forget? Alvraim's class of 1947. Welcome, Bob. Welcome, Jean. Thanks for coming and sharing. So why don't we start with Jean. Uh, What are your earliest remembrances of growing up in Easton?
1: I was born in a farmhouse on Pine Street, Easton Dale, we always called it. It was number 55 at the time. Then as the uh, houses were more built on Pine Street then they renumbered. Now that is number 87 and we've lived there. uh, I was there for 20 years and then moved next door in 1950 when we were married. We've been married since 1950.
0: Well Bob, how, did, how, was it, how was that like, growing up next to your in-laws? I mean not growing up, but I mean married and, and living next to your in-laws.
2: Well I thought it was very interesting. I, uh, you know I didn't know at the time when I was growing up who I would be going with and to marry. huh. You know, And uh, when I began work, I worked at Simpson Spring for a short time and her grandfather was my boss. Oh. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. He kept things under control. That's what his job was for the young boys, young whippersnappers we were called. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, little did I realize that uh, I w- would be married to her. She used to walk by. I uh, was born in the house at 35 Pine Street and that's before you get, it's uh, south of the Eastendale School. Uh huh. And uh, ah, we used to sit out on the sidewalk, which, oh, no, it wasn't. It was just a walkway. And uh, when the girls, the boys were at one end of Pine Street, the girls were at the other end. And they used to walk by to get down to a, a little store down there known as Fuller's Little Variety Store for ice cream, candy, and whatnot. And uh, we used to be there out in front of the house, sitting down, a group of us. and when the girls walked by, why we used to go woo-hoo. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but little, little did we realize, you know, we weren't mean or anything, but that was it. Um,
0: so did you spot Jean Southworth walking by?
2: Oh yes, at that time, yeah, sure. Yeah. I knew she was a Southworth because I used to deliver Sunday papers to her house where she was lived and all those years, a lot of years. and
0: So you have just moved a few doors down and your whole life has been on Pine Street in Eastendale. Right. So Jean, um, have, have, tell us about growing up in, uh, you went, must have gone to the Eastendale School. Yes, what we was went that to like?
1: Eastendale School for six years. We, I lived right near there so we walked home for lunch and back to school. and. They had the playground, and kids came from all around. They had a nice playground with giant strides, sli- slide, and swings. And we met a lot of friends from West Bridgewater because they weren't far from us. We're near the West Bridgewater line, and so they used to come to Eastendale School, and the boys played baseball, and so we became friendly with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And we we had a lot of friends, a lot of. Girlfriends lived right around us and grew up together. Have they stayed in town? There's only one left right near us, the rest have passed.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are, what are your earliest remembrances of uh, being in the classroom in the Easterdale School?
1: I really liked school a lot. We had uh, Miss Mildred J. O'Connor lived on Santa Street in Northeastern. And we had first, second, and third grade in one room, she was our teacher. And then uh, fourth and fifth was in the other room and Florence Harris was the teacher there. And the year I was in fourth grade, fifth grade I guess it was, they built the new uh, room on the back of the school so then it was two grades in each school, each room. And uh, Ms. Harris was our principal and she went on to do fifth and sixth grade. A lot of friends that over the years.
0: Do you remember any uh, special events or funny uh, happenings?
1: Yes, we used to have a play occasionally. It would be at, in the evening so the parents could come and one night one of the little guys fell sound asleep before it was his time to go on the play one of the plays was fun. I had, we dressed as a carrot, a beet, a, stock, a bunch <laughs> of celery for health. It was mainly to teach us about the health, eating our vegetables.
0: Yeah,
1: eating your vegetables.
0: and uh, Bob, uh, I hope you weren't guilty of not eating your vegetables. <laughs>
2: Did no, you, I don't think I was. You,
0: were, you liked your vegetables, right? Oh, I did. Yeah, and yeah. What, what else uh, did you like about Eastendale School and, and being in the classrooms there? Do you remember?
2: Well, I remember my last name, of course, was Alger A, and you always had, what, a front seat?
0: Oh, I know, because my name is Almquist, oh. and I was <laughs> AL,
2: yeah. also first seat. Yeah, and it wasn't until room. about the sixth grade that I was allowed to go up and sit in the back seat. On one at the outside row where I could look like this out the window, you know, and Uh see and hear the trains go by down there. There's a track that takes them to West Bridgewater at that time. Oh, and uh, no, I used to be in a couple of the plays too. And what
0: were you, a carrot?
2: (laughs) I was carrot top. They used to call me. Because right? I, ha- I had red hair.
0: Oh, how did I, how did I en- envision that? <laughs> how did I guess that? Oh, what do you know? There
2: were three. Bro- I had two brothers, uh-huh. and they were older than I was, and we were all redheads. Uh huh. Wasn't really a red; it was more like an auburn color. Yeah. And we—they used to call us carrot top and all.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I bet. Imagine, Jean, that uh, was an attractive thing—a man with auburn
1: hair. It's always an attraction, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Well, there were, honestly, there were several boys, and there were several that I liked, and and but I'm thankful I ended up with him. Yeah, well, I bet you are. <laughs> He's a sweetheart. So, um, when you left
0: uh, Eastern, oh, by the way, when you were in the Dale School, uh, and you had two and sometimes three grades in one classroom. Um, Did the older children help the younger ones? How did that work?
1: Yes, especially I remember in first grade, they would take the first graders up front and each one brought their own little chairs to sit for reading because the others would be busy doing whatever, their math or whatever, but she would take each class up for separate work.
0: I see. And Bob, was that your experience, too? Do you remember? Oh,
2: yeah. We used to have uh, spelling bees. And oh. She would pick different ones from the class and have a stand against the one wall, and, and she would ask us to spell this, spell that. And the same for math, she would do. Mm-hmm. And that was Miss Harris. Uh, I think Miss O'Connor did it, too. And uh, uh, one thing I remember, uh, which was great, we used to have a break time, every morning and have uh, some uh, a carton of milk and uh, some cookies uh-huh. and uh, that was real good, really Another
1: good. thing to remember in school, we always had to have clean fingernails and we would have to show our clean fingernails and a clean hanky and we would get the little Campbell's Soup sticker, Campbell's Soup Kids sticker on a paper to show we had but that was important for yeah. cleanliness. Yeah, sure. And
0: uh, important to, so that disease wasn't spread. Right. Yeah, very good. Um, so did you do a lot of singing in the, in the school?
1: Yes, and we had piano. And uh, that's something that they don't seem to have of what I've spoken to some of the young people. But we had special singing time and the teacher would play the piano to play the, And so many, even adults, uh, haven't learned how to sing a particular tune, and because they didn't have it in school. Mm. So those were fun days, weren't they, Bob? Oh,
2: sure. You know, when we had time, recess time to go out and play, (laughs) play. (laughs) All right. Um, What was it? you had a flag or a piece of cloth, and you threw it, and if somebody didn't catch it, somebody else had the chance to go pick it up on either side. Uh And uh, then we could have uh, kickball. Of course, I suppose it was soccer now. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Of course, growing up there at night after school, uh, we'd go home and get out of our school clothes and put on some play clothes and go back up, and the boys would be there, and we'd pick up uh, football teams on each, on the old side lawn, or baseball down in the field. And then that's when, like uh, Gene said, that the boys from West Bridgewater would come over, Mm -hmm. and and there were some older fellas that came along to help us pick teams and stuff too on, on Saturdays. And if there weren't enough to even the teams up, they, each one of them, one team, would have one person on it, bigger than what we were, and they could the ones that could hit the ball pretty good. Over the school, which was great.
0: Did you ever break any windows?
2: Oh yes, we did. And then they finally put (laughs) on um, uh, screens over the windows. Oh. You know, and but I never broke any. No, Uh, of course not. No, I didn't. (laughs) 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 I used to put it to the side lawn, and and would trickle perhaps go across Pine Street. Uh huh. But.
1: uh, There was another fun thing that they did, especially at recess. Uh, was to play alleys. We had the marbles and dig a little hole in the sand. And one of the girls, uh, Evelyn McNeil, was the champion all the time. The boys couldn't get over that. They were upset that they weren't the champions. But she was great at the playing alleys. And that's with marbles? Yeah. Right. Okay. But it was called playing alleys, but they were marbles, and you'd collect, and the one that had the most would be the winner.
0: Uh uh-huh. So they she a was a little
1: bag of alleys. So she was doing her feminist part even back then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, so you, you eventually left Eastendale School, and, and which schools did you go to?
1: We went uh, to Lincoln Street to the old Oliver High School for six more years. Uh because the junior high was all at the south end and the high school was at the north end, so we went there for six years. You're talking about the uh,
0: south end and north end of the building? Yes. Right, and uh, for those people who don't know, it's now, um, it's called the Yellow Brick Building on Lincoln, opposite Uh the Rockery, Um, and it's um, uh, apartments, been converted to apartments, and the YMCA uses the gym programs in the back, and uh, uh, all 7th through 12th grades were there, even when I uh, was there some years later. Um, And I think that made it possible for us to really get to know um, students who were five years older than we. So um, it wasn't until many years later that high school was nine to 12 uh, in a separate building.
1: Not only that, one of my recollections is of Hazel Varela. She was in junior high when I was in high school, but she was always going to the library with her full of books. She just loved to read, and look where she is today. Yeah. Historian, and, yeah, for, history yeah.
0: teacher. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. So you have a, a memory of her loaded down with books. Right. Yeah. Well and, and of course, uh, for those of you who don't know, Hazel Vrella is one of our two town historians. Um, she has uh, written many publications about uh, Easton's history, and she is a magnificent speaker, uh, and she goes into such detail without notes, it is truly amazing to hear her. So if you have a chance uh, to, to listen to one of her presentations, all means take advantage of that you will not be disappointed Um, and she's still teaching she's uh, i believe in her early 80s already doesn't look it doesn't Mm. act it (laughs) Uh, but she's still a professor of history at curry college and um, uh, leads a very active life Uh, and we're so happy that you remember her uh, with all those books wow and um, so what happened in junior high that was different, Bob, from uh, the Eastendale School?
2: Well, I remember out in the corridors that they had what they called guards standing out in the corridors to make sure you didn't go around them. You had to stay to the right of them and go circle them around to your next study room and so forth. If you didn't, you were reported that uh, you couldn't follow the rules but I always tried to follow the rules, and I tried to make the guards, so I tried. The day I tried out, one man, uh, one boy personally took the wrong side, and I grabbed him, said, no, this is the way you go, and I was called into the principal's office and said, that's not the way you handle it. <laughs> you bring the handling to me, and that was Mr. Regan, the principal of the junior high. I see. So. There were some changes there, you know, that was altogether different than being down in the first sixth grades.
0: Yeah, and you, uh, you also, didn't you go from one classroom to another?
2: Yes. Yeah, from homeroom you'd go maybe to your art class or, or music class or history. Uh, Mr. Whitten was the history teacher, I believe. Miss Collins was music, and she was my homeroom on eighth grade. And Miss O'Connor was my homeroom teacher in the 7th grade, upstairs, and... Uh, what are
0: some of the uh, memories you have about the teachers and how they conducted themselves and how they cared about their students?
2: Well, they they made you hold the line. You're in there to study, not to fool around. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I was told to come back a couple of nights to uh, study, and I said, I'm sorry, uh, I've got to leave. I got. I'm not going to walk home. Um, my father pays taxes for me to ride the bus, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a that was kind of a little interesting thing to Mr. Splain. Uh, I was supposed to go back to him one night. I did. I went back, but I told him I was taking the bus home. So I left. When it was time for my bus to come the next day, he said, "You're coming back tonight." I said, "Okay," but I'm still taking the bus home when I have to leave, and. Uh, and that's the way it was,
0: uh, and he respected you for that, so Jean, uh, what sort of extracurricular activities did you find uh, at the high school, the junior high and high school that um, weren't available in, in the elementary school?
1: I especially enjoyed the choir singing with. Um, older people that we learned like I went to school with Nancy Sullivan was in my class and then her sister Mary Beth I became friendly with because even though she was two or three years ahead we sang together and that was one of the things I liked and in school I really liked math with Miss Healy had her several times and Miss Foster was hot. She oh was yes. She was English teacher and I hated oral topics and I would get butterflies in my stomach and I said <laughs> I can't do this and to this day I'm not easy with speaking out. Well I think I, I mean I remember Miss
0: Foster also. She was my English teacher. She was my inspiration to go on and major in English in college and she was very strict, and there was never a peep in that class, uh, so she really made you work hard. and But she also was very liberal with her compliments. If you did a good job, you got praise from her, and really her praise was so valued, don't you think?
1: And what we learned was when we had a strict teacher, that's when we really learned. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And um, one thing that she was strict
1: about also was uh, grammar and um, wouldn't you agree Jean? Right. Yeah I really enjoyed English classics except for the oral topics. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah we all got butterflies and we had to
0: stand up. Uh, but uh, she was very strict with the grammar and I noticed today that um, even adults who didn't have that strict grammar uh, background uh, you know, make many, many errors. And um, it's unfortunate that somehow we've forgotten the the uh, basic English grammar and utilizing
1: it. I think one of the things they don't have today in school is like the home act, the sewing, the cooking. I enjoyed Miss Grant and then even my daughter Nancy had her as Mrs. O'Connell and it was interesting to see and I really really liked her. I like sewing. Well you may be um, delighted to hear that there
0: is uh, in the seventh and eighth grade they do have home economics.
1: Oh that's good. Yeah
0: and and part of it is sewing but it's also cooking Uh, because you know today's young people really need to have these skills because they are uh, independent when they finish school and so forth and I've substituted some of those classes, and they're they're lots of fun. The kids enjoy them.
1: And we had it in high school too. The home ec- I took, home ec- and I I took bookkeeping. That was my favorite, and that's what I did after school. Did you
0: have Miss Carter? Uh... Yes. <laughs> yes. And what did you think of her? We wasn't learned. She, wasn't we she learned. wonderful? <laughs> she was absolutely wonderful. And do you know that she is. Still alive today. She
1: is, I believe, 106. At least I think I read that recently. Yes, yeah.
0: and she was our class advisor. And mm. um, but I owe my ability to type so quickly to to Miss Carter, right. Mrs. Carter. Right. She was amazing. And I, my, my fingers fly, I don't even think about where they are. They just fly. And that was because she was very, very uh, strict. We, we did this over and over and over until it became second nature to us.
1: And because I liked those uh, subjects, I went to Williams Business School for a year uh, before I went out to work as a bookkeeper. Wonderful. And how
0: about you, Bob? Um, What were some of the special skills uh, that you learned that helped you in your future career um, Um, job?
2: What they call the woodworking shop with Mac MacLeod.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: That was very interesting. And uh, first you'd start out with two blocks of wood. You had to make a joint that would fit tight. And you used a hand saw and uh, chisels and a hammer. You couldn't uh, use the machinery, not until you had more. Experience with him because mm-hmm. he had those big table saws and so forth to cut wood, and uh, I I uh, I didn't graduate. I had I left school in my sophomore year. I, I was working on a poultry farm, part time right after school, and uh, he lost his man to the draft that he had working full time farm. So he asked me if I could work full time and. I said, well, I, I'm in school. I took a few days off from school, and uh, I get called down to the princ- uh, superintendent's office, and he asked me if I would like to uh, leave school and go to work full-time because it was on a farm. Hmm. I said, sure, and I, I was ready to leave school then, and. He gave me papers for my mother and father to sign for the state, and uh, they allowed me to leave at the age of 15. Wow. And so I started there and worked there for three years, and then I went to work at Simpson Spring when I turned 16. Worked there for six years, I mm-hmm. believe it was. Then mm-hmm. I went to work in, at Boston Gear down in North Quincy, 16 years, and I left there and came to work for Astro Gear in uh, Brockton, I worked there for 26 years, and uh, I retired at the in '94, I believe it was 1994, at the age of 64, I retired. But I'm still part-time work as custodian at the church uh, near the center depot there. That uh, oh, the congregational church. Congregational church, church yes. Uh, good.
1: And, uh, and is that the church you go to? Too? Right. And, and I'm church secretary a couple mornings a week. So. Yeah. Well I I know so the Southworths have been busy. a
0: family that has supported that church from the uh, probably the very beginning.
1: Well, the Southworths worked at Simpson Spring, I think every generation. They my grandfather of course worked there as Bob has said, and I had two uncles that were salesmen. One uncle was a truck driver and my cousin Sid still works there uh, delivering water. Mm. He should be getting ready to retire. Wow. So
0: um, you mentioned, Bob, that you, you took the position on the farm of somebody who was called up in the draft. Now that was right in the middle of the World War II, wasn't it?
2: Because mm, that was 19, oh, I can't remember the year. Probably 1943. Yes, I think I was, because I left there in '46 on the farm, and his name was uh, Tony Souza, Anthony Souza. Oh, sure. And his, does the uh, up there Central Street? I think there's a sign that says Anthony Souza Square. Yes, Because right. he lived in a house next to it, next to Mitchell's store. And
0: and he died in that war. Yeah. 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 And you both uh, remember the Depression, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And when, growing up in the depression. Let's talk a little bit about that.
1: When yeah. we were little, the everybody was poor at today's standards. But we all were in the same boat and we enjoyed life. We didn't hear things that happen like today you hear things and see things on TV that happen in an instant. We didn't have all those uh things to think about. We were kids, happy kids, growing up and playing, roller skating. We used to roller skate on the street because there weren't that many cars. That was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you were um, uh, prevented from hearing all the bad things. Right. And as kids you grew up and enjoyed your childhood and and all those happy times that you created together
1: because Mm -hmm. really you were very independent, weren't you? We rode bikes on the street. They weren't as busy as they are today. The cars go so fast.
0: Right, and Bob, um, today kids are, um, uh, you know, it's so sheltered in a way, and they're so. Uh, parents are. They call them helicopter parents now. They hover over their kids. Uh, they can't seem to get off the bus and walk to their house anymore. Uh, and and we all know that. Life is not as, as idyllic as it was, but I'm sure that there were bad people back then too. And uh, what the kids are ha- kids today are, are losing a lot of the uh, independence and self-sufficiency that we enjoyed, uh, and and w- and we were nurtured by that. And do, you, uh, did you? How was it? Do you remember being uh, independent as a kid?
2: Independent? I don't. I don't think it was independent. Uh, my mother. When my father, of course, worked at Mitchell's store, he was a grocery salesman. Had to stay in the yard until your father gets home, because uh-huh. if you didn't, you wait till he does get home. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we had, we used to the boys in the neighborhood would always get together sometimes and go down to what they call the Souls. The Souls used to live on Pine Street across from Fuller's store. And the father allowed us to play football in their backyard. But it's 4.30 when he got through at Simpson Spring, we had to be out and because the mother was getting their supper ready. Uh-huh. And uh, we were told, you can't leave your yard. Uh, but I used to climb a fence. <laughs> the neighbors had fences. By, uh, so I would climb my neighbor's fence that was on the right of the house, go down through their backyard, climb another one. And then I'd be down at my cousin's house, the walk is down on Pine Street, where we used to have it, because they were growing pigs and I used to like to feed them and stuff, you know? Uh Uh-huh. And uh, so it was good. Uh,
0: Was that during the, that was during the Depression, wasn't
2: it?
1: Yes.
0: Now, a lot of people had pigs and other animals uh, to survive. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, Jane.
1: Well, my, I lived, my uncle Steve Southworth lived also in the house with my grandparents, and he'd either have turkeys at one time. He had pigs often, and chickens, and they, to have, because they needed them to eat. Right, and it's and it so was, and so
0: uh, people were very resourceful.
1: Right, they had apple orchard. We had an apple orchard, so you'd have your apples. Uh,
0: and you'd always have a vegetable garden,
1: yeah. right? They had a big garden. Both my grandfather and my uncle. Yeah.
0: And and uh, how did you, uh, how did they preserve food to carry them over the winter?
1: We've talked about
2: that pressure, before. Pressure cooker.
1: Yeah, we can't. We don't remember that so much. That really. How they kept their food because we didn't have freezers. No, no, but didn't wasn't there a lot of canning going on? Oh yes. We did. We in our basement they had shelves special for uh-huh. sure tomatoes, and you probably had a root cellar. Yes, we did. That's where the fresh potatoes were kept, and and the onions, different things that they grew, and the carrots, turnips, and, turnips yeah. and carrots, all those root vegetables. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> coming how, back how you forget <laughs>
0: yeah but the pressure cooker bob you just mentioned tell us about that that's do you know that's coming back I they're advertising pressure cookers uh-oh. now of course <laughs> they don't look at all like the ones that we used uh, they look like something from outer space but um yeah, uh, I, but I, I never
2: used one but uh, i remember my mother somebody let her borrow one that's the way things were then the neighbors borrow this or that if you didn't have one uh huh how she used to for putting up tomatoes, string beans, you know, cook them a while and, and and then make sure you release the steam, I guess, you took it off and put the covers on. and so Before
0: forth. you took the cover off you better release the steam or yeah. you're going to have a su- big surprise yeah. yes. and an injury.
2: And I was told to leave things alone on that because cooking was not mine and it isn't today. To, that's why I married her, <laughs> 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 to do my cooking for me. I can open a can, you know. And that that's about it. And these modern stoves, give me the old stoves that turn a turn a button on and the temperature want. Uh, I remember the old uh kerosene stoves. They used to have like a three burner kerosene stove with a little I don't know if it held a half a gallon of kerosene on the end with a gauge on it and you knew when it wasn't getting empty. Really? And uh that uh
0: so growing up in the Depression, I mean, being a kid in the Depression, uh, you really escaped all of the tragic details of so many people's lives because you were resourceful, self-sufficient with animals and f- vegetables and apples and whatever. And and um, so you also probably, because there wasn't much communication, didn't learn about uh, some of the horrors uh, uh, that people endured. So basically um, your childhood must have been pretty happy. Right, we really were,
1: I lost my thought. Oh, when you were talking about the stove, we had an old black wood stove and the that went all the time in the kitchen to keep the house warm because we didn't have heat on the second floor. I had three bedrooms and so we had to put on long stockings and heat up some bricks on the stove and wrap them in a towel to keep our feet warm at night. It was, it was the way we were brought up, but my grandmother cooked on the old wood stove and every Saturday she would make the rolls and they'd sit on the stove to puff up and they uh, bake the beans in the oven because it was for heat. So you did that for so long. And that was Saturday night ritual in Massachusetts. Right. right.
0: Baked homemade Boston baked beans with and the rolls, bread. fresh rolls. And brown bread. brown
1: bread. Homemade brown bread.
0: With raisins in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember when my grandson brought his bride home from Illinois, she had never heard of brown bread. I had made brown bread. Never. I thought we have to have brown bread. With our baked beans. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I know my mother would get the salt pork, mm-hmm. Put, throw that in the bottom, yeah. onion, mm-hmm. uh, molasses. And your mother was a good cook, I remember. You do. <laughs> yeah, my mother, Eni Larson Almquist. Right. She was such a good cook
0: that when it came time for us kids to go to college, she, she said, I, I have to uh, do some catering. And so she did. Right. And uh, she loved it. Other people loved it. And, uh, yeah, she was a good cook. Yeah. Um, so, um, what are th- what are the the values that, that growing up in Easton gave you that have lasted your, throughout your adult life and have impacted your choices in life? Maybe the the things you were involved in, maybe the careers you took, you and the paths you took, um, and it wasn't just
1: from the schools, but also from the church. Um. Several of us girls in Easton stayed very close friends. Uh, We had our children. We would take turns babysitting each other's children when the need was, and we were all very close, and that's partly why we stayed there. We didn't know to go anywhere. We had traveled enough to know other places, but we were just, this was our home.
0: Yeah, now I'm thinking more about value,
1: and that's so important, the friendships and helping
0: each right. other out. I mean, because back then, that was something you really did learn, isn't it? Um, that you stick together as, as a community, it's sort of a family. The community is a family. You help each other out. You don't hide the uh, physically or mentally challenged. They were always living in the house, and the other generations were there. They didn't go into nursing homes. They, they actually... Right. so. Um, so some of those values of of loyalty and caring uh, and so forth um, I think you've talked about enough to let us know that that those were important to you and your families
1: I remember
2: the uh, winter time Mm -hmm. and uh, the coal shovels shoveling the coal Mm and the fire and then late in the fall, or early fall you'd start having somebody bring some Wood to you, you'd chop it up, split it, and so forth, and mm-hmm. throw it in the cellar. And then you go down and stack it up. And uh, I remember back when we used to get a good snowstorm, mm-hmm. Vern Willis would have his horse, he had a snow plow, would pull that. It was a V shaped plow and had like a wheel on it you would take and turn it this way uh-huh. to widen it out or make it narrow, coming up Pine Street with it and on the whole length of Pine Street. And then the, the plows would come eventually because mm-hmm. the plow was on the J.O. Dean's coal truck.
0: Wow, what a sight that must have been.
2: Yeah, you know. Mm. And then when we used to go out sliding and then they used to come with them trucks with a little sand on the back and a guy standing on the back shoveling the snow out, <laughs> the sand out of the, the snow. Yeah. And he got the snow back right at him. Uh, hey, <laughs> you're, ruining our, you're ruining our sledding and stuff down Pine Street. And then we used to go down High Street and Hill Street. Uh-huh. And right across Turnpike, then you didn't worry about the cars. No, We had a lot of fun, uh, the toboggans, uh, put the sleds to hook them together and get down those streets and we, we had a good time.
0: So did you do any skating
2: uh, oh, yes. in the winter? Yes, I had a pair of skates given to me and there was a little river. Uh, we called it the river, we used to call it Reams River. Uh, it, uh, it went under the railroad tracks down there in Eastendale, and it was free solid. Now the bridge was like uh, made out of big slabs of granite, and we'd go down there and sl- uh, skate back and forth, uh, go over to the woods uh, near Simpson Spring, and we had what they called the Frog Pond,
1: uh-huh. walk
2: over there and skate. And uh, then we had our hockey games up on Dean's Pond, where well, that was a rough and tumble thing. Uh, But we enjoyed doing it, and uh, we had a good time.
1: And it kept you healthy. Yeah. The sliding, especially down Pine Street, past the house where he lived, uh, was just enough slant down the hill. And they didn't plow like today. Like he was saying, it was packed snow, and people had to have chains on their uh, tires because uh, the kids had to slide down Pine Street. (laughs) That was a, a A must. Yes. (laughs) We also had a hill um, near the house where I live now. It was wide open at the time, there's a house there now, and the trees have all grown up. But it would go almost to 138, from Pine Street to 138. And the kids came from all around because there was plenty of room and skiing, sliding, and tobogganing. That wow. was the thing in the winter then
2: yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. For my and uh, sliding, my grandfather worked over to uh, a farm up on Manly Street that they call Jerusalem Hill. And I used to go over there a lot to help him milk the cows and so forth because he lived on a house across the street at the other corner. And uh, of course my grandfather worked there so he got permission for us and the boys, the group would walk over there and slide on those big hills over there as you're going up Jerusalem Hill. And then that was a long distance to go but it was the walking back that got you the best. Uh, <laughs> you, had to, you had to go back with that sled and then get up and go again. That was fast going down but coming back it was a shore to come back.
0: And did you come home to hot chocolate?
2: Of course. Or chowder.
1: Oh. Clam chowder. <laughs> Clam chowder. Oh. The oh. best. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I'd, I'd walk over to the grandfather's house and they'd have cookies and hot chocolate for us. Yeah. So. Wow, those I were the still days.
1: have the recipe from his mother's book that he said it was hard to make the right molasses cookies his grandmother <laughs> made. But I do have one recipe from hers, the angel gingerbread with the blueberry gingerbread. I still make that and that's the closest to what his mother made. Great, is it published somewhere? No, it's written in her book. She has an old book with it. It's in writing. Yeah, of course, just just the way they always did it. They put their favorite recipes in a book. So many they did without a recipe that they couldn't remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for all the stories and (laughs) the growing up in Eastendale and and, um, you have certainly led a golden life together. Um, it's so uh, evident to me when I meet you uh, how much you love and adore each other and I think that is one of the most uh, wonderful um, thing to behold uh, in in today's world where relationships are often too short and uh, people like to trade people in for new models and so (laughs) forth and you have enduring values that you shared I think growing up on Pine? Pine
1: Street in Eastendale, mm. which have really glued you together. What do you we think of that? We take care of each other. We rely on each other for yeah, our I, needs.
2: I tell people I see in the market, I don't know how things are going. I said, well, you know, we live in assisted living now. And they say, which one? I said, ninety-one no, Pine <laughs> the Street. They look at me. You're all wacky.
0: <laughs> so but, you're assisted living. You're assisting each other. Right. 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 <laughs> Wonderful. And you're keeping the old fires and burning. And our
1: children help us a lot. And yeah. are you fortunate to have them nearby? Yes, especially our daughter Nancy and our son Dawn are very good to us. Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Good. Well, uh, this has been a very enjoyable uh, discussion and sharing so many memories. Mm. And I want to thank you both so much. Uh, and I'm sure that the audiences at home has enjoyed this as much as we have enjoyed uh, producing it today. Uh, this is Priscilla Almquist Olson, host of Growing Up in Easton, uh, and my guest today, Jean and Bob Alger from Pine Street in Eastondale. I want to thank you for watching, and until next time, take care. See you then.